Thank you to our sponsor for season two, Punto Space. The contemporary raw space combines capacity with intimacy. Four distinct spaces on three levels encompass more than 3,500 square feet. Custom configurations, a state-of-the-art audio-visual system, and full-service support provide endless possibilities for realizing your creative vision. Welcome to Currency Shift, the podcast where we showcase and share insights from first, only, and the disruptive. These are people who are creating new lanes and carving new paths for women, people of color, and diversity and inclusion. My name is Shade Simone. Let's get started. All right, we have Emil Barnes in the hey. house. Cheers, Cheers to you. Yes. Take a little sip. Mm-hmm. Mm. That's good. Yeah, it's smooth, right? Oh, yeah. Nice. <laughs> Sunday morning champagne, champeasy. That's what I call it. Yes. Um, so, Emil, yes. I'm so happy to have you in the studio. I'm excited to be here. This is one of my uh, friends from college. Shout out to UNC Charlotte. Yep. That's 49ers. We, yes, 49er Pride. Um, so I have him on the show today. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, they call me Emil. Emil Barnes. Um, I'm, uh, I'm from Washington, D.C. Filmmaker, uh, digital creative, uh, all in all, hustler, <laughs> entrepreneur, uh, just trying to find ways of you know survival. That's my whole thing. Uh, surviving, making money, and doing it right, staying out of uh, the law's way, and uh, doing what I got to do, you know? Yes, yeah. I can appreciate that. Yeah. So, uh, given where you are now, yes. you're a serious um, entrepreneur in the digital landscape, yes. as well as in the gaming landscape yes, yes. with uh, card games. Yes, cuff. Yes. Before we dive deep into that, I want to help tell your story from the very beginning. So, okay. let's go back to the very, very start. When you were younger, what were some of your childhood aspirations and dreams? Oh, childhood aspirations and dreams. I always wanted to work for myself. Mm. So I was always like an entrepreneur and never wanted to work for anybody. Mm. Um, My father used to, um, we would, uh, he would take me places to cut grass. And I, I remember my first early hustles were cut, cutting grass with him. And then in my neighborhood, I even had a business of cleaning people's CDs. What? Wait, wait, wait. Where were you? Where were you at this time? Were you in New York? No, or? this is D.C. D.C. This okay. is D.C. Um, and this is elementary, middle school. Mm. And I just always I, I grew up. A, uh, what's, what's the term? Latchkey. Yes, kid. the latchkey kid. So I was always by myself. My mother worked three jobs. Um, you know, my mother and father had split. You know, I would go see him twice a month, you know, on the weekends and stay with him. Um, but when I did go with him, he always tried to introduce me to some type of hustle to make money. Mm-hmm. And when I was with my mother, because my mother was never home, I would try to find ways of making money in my neighborhood. Mm-hmm. So I used to tell people, and this is when CD, remember people used to put the CDs in yes. the car? and then the, I created a sign and said, if you need your CDs clean, stop by 31st Avenue. Mm-hmm. I will clean your CDs so it can put <laughs> clean and, you know, clean and crisp in your car. I did everything. And um, got my first job working for Pocket Change. I was I always loved money. Yeah. My third day working at Pocket Change, this is, I was 14 years old. 
Now, what is Pocket Change? Pocket Change was an arcade. Okay. It was an arcade in Maryland. And um, I was 14. I had just got my permit. I think you needed, like, a permit to work when you were that young. Mm-hmm. My third day on the job, they made me a manager. What? I was 14 years old. As a manager? At an arcade. <laughs> I walked around with $400 every day in change. Mm. And, you know, they put that much trust in me because I always took my job seriously. Mm-hmm. And from there, you know, did my, you know, regular jobs, working restaurant, hospitality. And that was my method of realizing that I didn't want to work for anybody. Mm -hmm. And not to say there's nothing wrong, there's something wrong with working with somebody. I just like to make my own money on my own terms, on my own time, and create my own lane, pretty much. I like that. So how 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 did that mindset... Um, translate when you got to UNC Charlotte? When I got to UNC Charlotte, I don't know if you remember, I sold the Game Time Bands. Mm. And I did that in high school. I met a guy who had a a clothing line called Game Time. And part of my 12th grade year project accounting class, we had to find a product Mm -hmm. in the area that was made from somebody from Washington, D.C., and connect with them and sell their product in school. Oh, wow. So I found a guy. His brand was called Game Time. Um, Time was spelled T-Y-M-E. Why? They did a why because when you praise God, you have your hands up in the sky. Mm. So, and when I went to UNC Charlotte, I was really just trying to make some money, you know. And the crazy thing is, and a lot of people don't know at that time, I don't know if you remember, freshmen weren't supposed to have single dorms. Yeah, I remember that. You I had pay- to stay with somebody. You had to stay with somebody. I paid. I, I was one of the only freshmen with a single dorm. I paid for the other person's room so I could have it by myself. That's a boss move, man. <laughs> I, I, could, I, I had to have my own room, my own space. I worked that whole summer. I was like, all right, I'm, in, I'm at this new campus. Let me try to get my name out there. Yeah. And I was trying to make money, too, you know. So I went around selling the game time bands and, you know, made some money. Got in trouble with UNC Charlotte, mm. actually. A lot of people don't know. That was part of my reason for me leaving the school and transferring to Johnson & Wells. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, with the game time bands and I had Swag & Company. I don't know if you yeah, remember Swag & Company. Yeah, I remember Swag & Company. <laughs> you know, so I was always trying to do something positive, mm-hmm. influence, have people around me. And uh, that was always in my serial hustler entrepreneur uh, phase. Yeah, because when you went to Johnson & Wells, um, my brother used to talk about you, Dorian. Yeah. I don't oh, know yeah. what name he was going by at that time because my brother, he likes to switch it up. One minute is Dorian. I didn't know that's your brother. Next minute is Dorian. He probably that's said Gilbert. Man. Yeah. That's my, I didn't know that was your brother. Yeah, that's, that's my, my that's my brother. He used to talk you up, and I was like, yeah, I That's my man, yeah. Yeah, shout-outs to you, little bro. Yeah. Um, But, yeah, he used to always talk you up about the things that you were doing, and you mm-hmm. had a strong influence on him as mm-hmm. well to get his entrepreneurship. um, mindset going so that's really good so like from you went from learning the hustle from your father to implementing that hustle throughout high school and college and even at Johnson and Wells when did you make that shift into um, the digital space well it actually came the the summer before I went into Johnson and Wells so um my last, I think I did three years 
at UNC Charlotte and ultimately had to leave the school. And that summer, I just went through a horrible breakup. Mm. So I was trying to find something to do mm-hmm. and something to uplift me. And that's how, um, I, matter of fact, I came up, my, my nickname, Emil, was created on July 4th, 2008. Mm-hmm. I didn't go back to D.C. for um, Independence Day. And I remember reading the, the magazine, I think it was Double XL or Source. Mm-hmm. Do you remember the section where they had um, uh, Who's Missing? They would put like a milk carton. And it would be like an old rapper or old singer. <laughs> and they had yeah. a mill on it from Rockefeller. Oh, okay. So I was like, huh, all money is legal. Mm-hmm. Okay, a mill. And then it was called a mill in the, in the boogie down kids. Mm-hmm. And with my ties to the Bronx, I was like, oh, that could be the name of my company. I don't know if you remember, remember a, um, a street DVD called Smack DVD. Mm-mm. Okay, Smack DVD comes out of New York City. And it was a guy named Smack, and he would go around to different hoods, and guys would rap. Oh, okay. And they would freestyle and battle each other. And Smack DVD is classic, historical. So July 4th, I literally went to Best Buy before they closed. They closed like 5, 6 o'clock early that day. Mm-hmm. I had a credit card that I got on UNCC campus. Remember when we used to walk around, people that was yeah, getting credit cards? Yeah, they used to be there heavy, yes. heavy. So I had a credit card, went to Best Buy, brought a camera. Mm-hmm. Never knew nothing about operating a camera, working a camera. The next day, July 5th, I went to Eastland Mall. Yeah. And I literally walked around Eastland Mall with my camera. And was walking up to anybody that looked like a rapper. <laughs> so their chain was jingling. And, you know, at the time with your bow jeans yes. and the Air Force Ones. I, I would walk up to them, hey, you rap? Mm-hmm. And I had my camera out. Yeah. And they was like, oh, you you, you, you film? I'm like, yeah. <laughs> and so I literally was following these guys. They was like, oh, all right, just cut the camera on. Just follow us around. Mm-hmm. I'm like, all right, bet. So we walk to the jewelry store, they buy jewelry, then we get out to the car, and, you know, they doing all the, you know. Yeah, typical rapper t- Typical stuff, yeah. rapper stuff, holding their chains up, and I'm recording them. And I'm like, all right, cool, I meet them. Then that night, I went to a house party from some of our friends from UNCC, mm-hmm. and uh, some of them were like, I was like, yo, I'm, I got the camera. They're like, oh, we about to rap. We went into the hallway, and mm-hmm. they started rapping. And I literally created a YouTube page from there. Yes. Threw videos up there, and um, yeah, and it just started, you know, from that. And then I was asked uh, later on, like a month later, hey, do you do music videos? I've never done one, but sure, I'll do it. Yeah. Did a, did a shot of music video called Charlotte Forever. Mm. Yeah, it was by Sporty Odie. Yes, S-Dub, King Carter, Revenue, uh, Royalty, and that was my first music video. Didn't make a dollar. Those are all the Charlotte notable, yes, up and coming yes. uh, entrepreneurs slash rappers slash promoters slash like yeah the 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 group yeah, yeah of Charlotte yeah. that that side and that was actually my introduction to sh- outside of UNCC's campus because mm-hmm. remember I was just transferring to Johnson and Wells I didn't know anybody and you know when you're on UNCC's campus sometimes it could be like a bubble. Mm-hmm. You only really know the people on campus. And that was my first introduction. And 
I had a little computer and got a program called Power Director. It was terrible. And <laughs> I started editing stuff, and then, you know, people just started asking for more stuff and music videos and flyers and, you know, and that's just back in 2008. Yeah, because you had Shot by... Shot by Mill. Yeah, Shot by Mill, and then you transitioned to a Mill Digital. I mean, well, it was Barnes Digital. Okay, Barnes Digital. Yeah, okay. and, and Barnes Digital is just more so just, you know, tightening it up the, the cause and the values of the brand to one day get mm-hmm. to my children. I didn't want to be called a Mill Digital. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I figured my last name is Barnes, Barnes yeah, Digital. Pass it on. Exactly. Legacy. Yeah. No, this is really exciting because you're basically um, telling people about the mindset of, like, just do it. Yeah. Like, you really didn't have a plan. You just knew that, okay— this is what's this is what was available in New York yeah. and it was just phenomenal. Yeah. Let me try and bring something like that exactly. to this area and yeah. let me take the lead. Tell us a little bit about your time in New York though. Um so once I um came to New York, lived in the Bronx and uh coming back to New York was cuz I had left Charlotte, moved back to DC and was like, okay, I'm going to go to New York and, and, and really do this thing with my career. That was the height of my career. What year was this? Uh, it's 2019. This might have been 2013. Okay. 2013, 2014. And um, I had just come off of directing videos for Trey Songs mm-hmm. and K. Michelle. And I directed these when I lived in D.C. So... Living there and going, coming back and forth between D.C. and New York, I kind of built my relationships up really mm-hmm. good. And I was like, okay, um, moved up here. And then my career really jump-started. I had um, an old uh, business partner of mine, um, Karen Civil. Mm-hmm. Shout out to Karen. She really set me up for success. And I've never told her this. Mm-hmm. Because... I was running her civil TV department. So I was literally flying everywhere, doing documentaries on Dage Loaf, Fetty Wap, Mm -hmm. Bankroll Fresh, R.I.P., Schoolie, Winefin Lucci, like all the top artists right before they became. Yeah, who they were. And I was able to capture some of those artists in their everyday life, in the studio, meet their family, kids, and... By the time I added that to my portfolio, everything else came, you know, and started working with Adidas and started working with Vibe. Mm -hmm. And we had an office here on 15 West 39th um, uh, with my guy James. And it was everything was just working out perfectly. And I started to build my portfolio up Mm -hmm. and, you know, started actually adding quality to it Mm -hmm. instead of quantity. Because it was more so about, at one point I felt like I was just filming to be filming. Yeah. You know? To get your skill sets up and exactly. just to get out there. Yeah, just exactly. Because yeah. I've always believed that, you know, perfection, you know, it ruins uh, the dream of an entrepreneur. Because we never get started. Right. You know? So whenever I was offered anything, sure, I'll do it. Sure, I'll do it. Because I just want to get better. And if I can make a little bit of money at it, you know, let's do it. Um, and But once I started working with these bigger artists and actors and actresses and comedians and rappers and singers, everything just lined up. And my portfolio was looking pretty nice. Yeah, Yeah. pretty nice. So 
So all this sounds fantastic. Yeah. You are traveling. You work with a industry expert like Karen Civil. Yeah. Talk to us a little bit about like the difficulties. Like there had to be struggle points throughout this process. Yeah, I did a lot by myself. Uh, you know, even with working with Karen, I was a one man team mm-hmm. a lot of the times. Unless I had like a um, an interviewer there or a publicist or writer, but mm-hmm. other than that. I was like, for instance, when I went to Atlanta to film Bankroll Fresh, I literally went to every hood around that the heavy smoking, <laughs> the heavy drinking by myself. Yeah. Cameras, lighting, running audio, tripods, getting on a flight from JFK, going to Atlanta, and I would do it all in less than twenty four hours. Ooh. So I would go down there. Let's say I would get to Atlanta three p.m. And, and film him. So I'm trying to knock out everything before it gets dark. Mm-hmm. And Karen, I love her, she would book me a flight the next morning at 6 a.m. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm like, oh, I got to I gotta get everything I need. I got to tell this person's story. And I still got to be in the hood and watch out for myself. Right. But I think I was able to do all those things and connect with those artists because of where I'm from and who I am. I didn't try to come off as, you know, a snob or mm-hmm. you know okay we need to get these shots and all that. nah <laughs> i was i was talking to him like you know hey homes like we gotta get these shots let's knock this thing out you know what i'm saying and talking to him like we grew up together mm-hmm. so that's what really worked and um i guess another difficult thing is just uh honestly dealing with you know at that time it would, there were other people coming to like karen um you know, saying that they were directors too. Mm-hmm. So a lot of them would say they would do stuff cheaper. They would do stuff free. They're undercutting. You the know, it's, it's a lot of undercutting in this business. And But I managed to, you know, we had a strong relationship. Do what we do. You know, do what I did and, you know, make sure that quality always showed. Mm-hmm. You know, so. But other than that, I never really worried about nobody else. I kind of always worried about myself and making sure a male did what a male needed to do. Mm. You know, so, um, but I mean, the struggle, I've been, you know, self-employed going on 11 years. Mm-hmm. I worked a job for two months at Radio One in D.C. <laughs> that didn't last long at all. Yeah. So I guess, you know, I enjoy the hustle. You know, there's no ego with nothing. So even with all of this, it sounds like, you know, sleep deprivation a little Extremely. bit. Because <laughs> I do some editing, and I just like, oh, it just takes me forever. Yeah. Um, sound bites, all of that. So talk to me a little bit about, like, your mental health. Like, what do you do to maintain your mental health so that every day you're able to grind and hustle? I think it's more so about, honestly, I'll keep it real with you. Like, get my mother a new house. Mm-hmm. Get my mother a new car. Like I want a new house. I want a new car. I don't. I don't have time to, to sit around and lollygag, mm-hmm. you know. And um, like I said, my. All right, I'll tell you something. I remember asking my mother, "What do you? What did you want to be when you were my age? What did you want to do?" Mm-hmm. And she had no clue. She was like, "I don't know. I just wanted to work a regular job and, you know, have a, you know, have a kid and raise you." I didn't, and no, no, no shade to my mother. I love her dearly, but I didn't want that for me. I wanted to know what I wanted to be, mm-hmm. you know, and what I wanted to do in my life. Like, if, you know, when I'm a youngin' and a kid, and they telling us, you can be whatever you want to be. All right, I know what I want to be. Yeah. I didn't just want to sit around and be like, the, you know, the rest of the youngins in, in, in the neighborhood. 
that really wasn't, you know, doing anything. Mm -hmm. But I always tried to inspire and, you know, show people what you could do, you know, and offer up that free game. Um, So, yeah. Has your mindset kind of shifted a little bit now that you're a family man? Yes, with kids, yes. Extremely doing everything for them. And, you know, the twins, summer and autumn, um, they see everything that I do. And I pretty much, I'm going to keep it all honest with you. Like, I don't want them to witness one struggle. Mm -hmm. I don't want them to witness any struggles that I went through. I want them to be set up for success. Mm -hmm. I want them to have businesses lined up if they choose to continue the legacy with these businesses. Once they graduate school, I want funding set up. I want college paid for. I want whatever to be set up. I don't want my daughters to go through anything. And, you know, of course, some people may say, um, you know, they got to go through some, you know, uh, just so they can build up their, you know, immune system to the to the grind and the hustle and, you know, the nasty people in this industry. Mm-hmm. And I'm also like, eh, I, I'm not really worried about that because yeah. if they, you know, if they my daughters and their, you know, their mother's daughter, they're already going to know how to deal with people. Yeah. You know, so but yeah, it's twins is expensive. <laughs> Twins is expensive between formula and just think two of everything. Yes, yes. So, yeah. Yeah, but I can appreciate the grind and the focus. That was something that I appreciated about you, seeing you on UNC Charlotte. You always had bags. I was like, why does this man have so many bags? <laughs> and you always had this, like, stern look about you. Like, I got to I gotta get where I got to go, yeah. and I have to, like, accomplish what I need to accomplish. Yeah. And that coming from one uh, person that's focused to another, it uh-huh. was just, like, inspiring to see. So with... With Currency Shift, mm-hmm. the company that I have, uh, this is our project, which is the podcast. And the podcast, the whole point is to um, take people like you who are first only or disruptive, you mm-hmm. being the disruptive in this mm-hmm. situation, and really help others really understand what it took for you to get here. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we like to talk about social currency. So social currency is building social networks to gain access influence, resources, and networking in the digital space that affects a person online and offline. Mm -hmm. And for you, like your digital space, from what you told us earlier, your YouTube channel was a good starting point. Uh, On LinkedIn, you have over 800 followers. On your Instagram, you have over 300 followers. On Twitter, you have over 2,000. Tell us a little bit about and what ways social media has influenced or empowered your career trajectory. Um, mainly, I mean, that's how you connect with people for free. Mm-hmm. You know, that's how you get your, your brand out, your story out. And, you know, my Instagram now, I just pretty much post my kids <laughs> you know, a lot. Um, but it's, you know, also I've built a good portfolio up to now where I don't really like, um, need, you know, I'm not really for the followers. I'm going to keep it all the way behind with you. Mm-hmm. Um, because Instagram can tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Twitter can shut down tomorrow. So it's like, where's your hustle outside of that? Yes. You know, do you, where's your, where's your core? Where's your fan base? Where's your clients outside of that? So I guess I've always prepared myself uh, for work outside of, honestly, social media. Mm-hmm. Um, because we were doing this before social media was around yes thank you yeah, you know so <laughs> before twitter yeah before all that you know we we always learn how to make a buck yeah. and um but that's a platform for you to connect 
you know, with people. Like, um, so I got over three thousand followers, and I can, but I really get likes on my stuff. You know, it's like mm-hmm. nothing fake. But I can also, a lot of my followers are my clients. I can actually make money off my, you know, followers. Yes, and, and, and sharing my stuff, and even with my own personal page, you got the Cuff page, mm-hmm. and with Cuff, you know. That's how I, like, make a lot of money with selling my cards. Tell us a little bit about Cuff. Oh, Cuff. Um, Well, first, uh, Cuff Cuff is a long story because it actually started off as Love Jones. Yes. At first. So the brand was called Love Jones, started in Charlotte. Mm -hmm. And it started off as just a house gathering, not even a house party. And I would literally just invite some of my friends over and cook chicken and waffles. Mm-hmm. And this is when Moscato was popping. Remember yes. when everybody used to drink <laughs> Moscato? I think Drake said, this is when Drake just came out. People were talking about Moscato for everything. And I just wanted some type of interaction other than us just drinking and mm-hmm. eating chicken and waffles. And um, my friend at the time... Crystal, who's still my friend today, she had a website called Moo that mm-hmm. just came out. And Moo, she showed me her business cards, and she was like, yo, in these business cards, you can get each card different, the design different. So all the business cards don't come out the same. Mm-hmm. So I was like, oh, Moo, okay. So I went to Moo.com, and I was like, you know what? I'm going to create a game. Mm-hmm. Created one deck, Love, uh, Love Jones deck. And I just put a bunch of relationship questions on each card. Mm-hmm. So whenever my friends came back over, I just walked up to them and was like, pluck a card. Yeah. And they'll pluck a card and read something, a question related to, you know, dating, love. And they was like, what's this? And I was like, man, I just created it. It's called Love Jones. I created a dope logo from it mm-hmm. and uh, just started taking pictures, put them on Facebook and Twitter. Instagram was just starting, so it really didn't do that much. Um, and then, you know, from that, I literally just asked all my crew, yo, let's do an event mm-hmm. in Charlotte. We got a little, little, uh, lounge mm-hmm. and I had the Love Jones cards and I said, all right, we're going to do open bar for the first hour. And I didn't make no money off the Love Jones <laughs> events, like yeah. none. And then from there, I'll tell you what solidified it. Uh, outside of Love Jones, I went to work with Lorenz Tate. Mm-hmm. in Atlanta to help him on a uh, 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 a reality TV show he had at the time. And I told him about Love Jones. He loved it. Yeah. So he was like, bro, whatever you need, just let me know. So, and nobody knew I was in Atlanta filming, but they saw me with Lorenz Tate. Mm-hmm. Pictures with Lorenz Tate. So people associated yeah, it with that. Love Jones, yeah. So when I came back to Charlotte, did another Love Jones event, popping. <laughs> Packed. People thought he was going to show up. I guess it just solidified, like, oh, he, it's, it's, he, what he got is real. Yeah, because the Love Jones is a movie. Yeah, exactly. With yeah. Lorenz Tate in it back in the early 90s, I early think. Early 90s, yeah. yeah. And uh, then that happened, and. I moved back to D.C., and I stopped doing Love Jones. And I stopped doing it because I noticed there were a lot of Love Jones going on, mm-hmm. like, you know, relationship events, and they were all called Love, Love Jones. And I was like, all right, I don't want to do it no more. <laughs> I'm done. Because when I feel like other people jump on the you know, bandwagon, bandwagon yeah. or whether it was actually here before me, you know, I always like, all right, I don't want to do it no more. 
So um, I stopped doing it for about two, three years. And in New York City, just went through a terrible breakup. Terrible breakup. Uh, outside of the, after the breakup ended, I really only had two friends in New York City. So I met uh, my big homie James, who had the office on uh, 39th Street. And he pretty much helped out marketing for clothing brands. Mm-hmm. He helped start Apple Bottoms with Nelly. Mm-hmm. Um, like, used to run with Terror Squad. Uh, old school, you know, play a big homie. Yeah. And he, um, I was in the office and he was just introducing me to people mm-hmm. every day. Hey, this is, uh, you know, my boy Emil. So I'm just meeting different people. And I was like, all right, I need something new. I want something else outside of doing documentaries and music videos, mm-hmm. something that I can make money while I sleep. Yeah, passive income. Exactly. So I was literally sitting on the couch in our office. And this is when Cuffin, was the song Cuffin Season by Fabulous came out. Mm-hmm. And this is when La Marina was popping. Yes. La Marina was popping. He just dropped the music video and he was talking about Cuffin Season. So I was like, you know what? I should bring back Love Jones. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, all right, let me think of a name. I said Cuff. Mm-hmm. Four letter word. Real simple. Real simple. I was actually watching an episode of The Simpsons. And I don't know if you remember the Duff logo. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And the logo was kind of resembling. I was like, all right, I can do that. Call it cup. I call. I said, yo, James, can we do a little gathering with some people at the office? Let's have a little uh, focus group. I want to see how people feel about it in New York City because this is what I used to do in Charlotte. He's like, yeah. He called up uh, 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 Trey Song's people. Trey Song's had a lick at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, he, they came, dropped ton of liquor bottles off we got some food got some pizza i sent it out to a few people i knew in new york city his people and the office was packed so i'm like all right so i'm telling everybody what cuff is and they like okay so i walk up to somebody hand them a card they go ooh, <laughs> ooh, and they read the question and then from there after that first question cuff has been turned up every ever since because mm-hmm. everybody has their own perspective on relationships, yes. dating, love, sex. Everybody thinks they're an expert, mm-hmm. you know, and what they went through. So from there, we did a focus group. Then we did another focus group. And they were all private. Mm-hmm. So you had to be special invite. Mm-hmm. So then it turned into people, like, a lot of the people that were there uh, were from Harlem. And, you know, yeah. once something is cool amongst some Harlem, Harlem people, yes. you know, yes. they started sharing. Exactly. And they started sharing it with their folks. And then I kind of got them involved in some projects. And then from there, it blew up. And uh, then I met, and I really don't tell this story too much. I was doing a project for Centric. Remember Centric? Yes. Okay. That was under Viacom. Yeah, it was under uh, BT. Yes. So I was doing a project with Centric. And uh, one of my uh, big homies, uh, Clifton Bell, I was doing a project with him. I was the head post-production editor on the project. So he was like, yo, we just going to, uh, you know, invite the people from Centric to your office. Mm-hmm. And we can do everything, edit and everything right there, knock yeah. the project out. So I was like, cool. So um, the guy had asked, so what else do you have going on? So Clifton told him about Cuff. Mm-hmm. And he was like, man, he's got this great idea. 
He got these cards and the, uh, the the young millennials being here screaming at each other <laughs> and just turked up. So uh, from there, the guy was like, oh, that sounds dope. Let's try to figure out what we can do with it. So I'm like, all right, that, wait, let's finish this first project first. I'm like, okay, cool. So finished the whole project with Century. Then it comes back. Um, we started working with a production company called Hot Snakes. Working the production company, doing editing projects with them. Now we have a production company that we can introduce a project to mm-hmm. that can kind of lead us into the door better with BET. Because yeah. no matter if you have an idea, you still need a production company to help you out mm-hmm. with getting this vision across. And from there, we started doing um, uh, talent searches and bringing people to the office and interviewing people. And I'm like, this thing looking good. <laughs> like, you know, this thing looking good. I was about to get on TV, and then I found out I had a tumor. I found out I had a tumor because I I, I was sitting in the talent searches, and I couldn't hear anything Mm. in my ear. And so um, a guy by the name of Dane, who was working at Hot Snakes at the time, he was like, oh, you probably probably just cleared up with wax. Just, you know, go and get him, go to the ENT doctor and get him to take the wax out. So I'm like, all right, let me do that because I can't even really edit like this. Yes. So go to the ENT doctor, and they found out that it was a tumor on my eardrum, Mm. which just, just, it threw me in a whole loop. Yeah. And, I, you know, they were talking about brain infection because it was right there. And it controlled my whole sinus side. So sometimes mm-hmm. I couldn't feel the whole right side of my face. Yeah. It was just bad, um, which ultimately led me to going back to D.C. Mm-hmm. I, I was just over the noise in the city. And my mother's in D.C. Mm-hmm. So she was talking about at first we were going to have a surgery in New York. She was like, I don't think you can do that because mm-hmm. who's going to take care of you? Yeah. You know? Because at this point, you're still by yourself. I was still by myself. I was living with um, a family in the Bronx. I was renting a room because mm-hmm. I had moved out of my old apartment. I was like, you know what? I need to save some money. I was renting a room and uh, I love them dearly, but I knew they really couldn't do much for me, yeah. you know, living with them. And I was like, okay, I'm going back to DC get this handled and good thing I came back to DC because I had um you ever had vertigo Mm-mm. okay I had vertigo for about a month and vertigo you know that feeling when you get drunk and you stumble and everything's blurry yeah I had that for a month straight wow even when I slept from them taking the tumor off my eardrum and it messed my whole balance up mm. I was walking with a cane it was bad you know and um from there uh, the cuff was working out because I was still coming, traveling back and forth. And BT picked it up. Wow. They picked up the, uh, we had created a little teaser video from videos that I had shot previously. Mm-hmm. And they loved it. They was like, oh, man, we've been wanting to do something like this for so long. Mm-hmm. You know, a millennial show talking about dating, relationships, sex, but not necessarily talk show-ish. Yeah. You know, and... Came to New York, filmed a pilot episode, loved it, but then it came down to just the politics of the game, you know. I had the cards, you know, and the crazy thing is I hadn't sold a card yet, but I owned the licensing and Mm -hmm. the trademark for all my stuff, and I know they didn't think I had that. 
You know, they probably thought I was just some young and other street yeah. with a good idea. Oh, all right, we can, you know, get his stuff. And I, I got one of the best lawyers on the East Coast. Mm-hmm. And she pushed that thing through, mm-hmm. you know. And um, ultimately, it didn't work out, politics, but I still had the cards. Mm-hmm. And I eventually... Um, it's crazy how things always happen when something bad happens to me. So time goes on. We uh, just before the show didn't work out. We were still waiting, um, and we had came to New York, filmed, and at the time I was working with Radio One in DC. Mm-hmm. I was a senior digital content producer, which means I was creating all the digital content for like five radio stations. Mm. That's a job I only did for two months. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, I only did that job for two months. Um, and more, I guess more so just from I'm not a political person in an office space. Yeah. You know, I'm not, I, I don't just sit somewhere, excuse me, and I'm not a yes man. Mm-hmm. You know, if somebody asks me to do something, I'm like, okay, what's, what's it for or yeah. I don't. You, you ask know, questions. Yeah, I ask questions. I'm not a very a really office person, and you know, be somewhere at nine o'clock, and you know, get off at five and lunch for one hour. That's just not me. So there was just a few instances uh, with Radio One that just didn't work out, and I just quit on the spot. I said, I "Can't do it. I'm out of here. Like I can get back to my own hustle, yeah. you know." And from that, I created. I was like, you know what? I don't want anybody to think. That I'm just how can I say this? I'm a sucker. Mm-hmm. I'm like, uh, he just quit. He need this job, you know. He'll he'll be back. Mm-hmm. And from that, I was like, nah, I don't need nothing. I so in that, I went and found a website. I was like, you know what? Let's create these cuff cards. Yeah. Wrote down a hundred questions. Uh, with my she was my girlfriend at the time, but now she's my fiance. She helped me come up with the questions. I said, all right, it's going to cost this much. It would think for 100 decks, it was $700. All right, so I'm paying, what, uh, $7 a deck. Um, I'm going to sell them for 25 mm-hmm. All right, let's try this out. Yeah. And I remember getting a sample back, and I posted the picture of the first ever cuff deck mm-hmm. on my Instagram, and it blew up. Yeah. It blew up. And, and it blew up from just my, my friends mm-hmm. who were like, you finally did it. Mm-hmm. You finally got the deck. And people knew about the cup deck because they saw me going through the process of filming for the TV show, mm-hmm. filming for online content, and everything is based off of the cards. Right. So when they saw me post it up, they was like, oh, they finally, you finally got them? Got the 100 decks in, sold out quick. Mm. I was like, all right, cool. I made, I made, I made about $2,500 off a $700 you investment. Know, exactly. Yeah. So I'm like, all right, we did it again. Dropped a hundred, sold out, boom. So at this point, with the deck, mm-hmm. you were including the Ciroc shots, the mm. little, the little airplane oh, thing. Oh, that was literally just me connecting with media influencers and trying to create gift boxes for them. Okay, got it. Got you it. know, um, I had somebody that knew um, B Dot from. Um, was a beat out on title now. Him mm-hmm. and uh, Elliot Wilson, um, Charlemagne the God. So I was literally just, I went to a store called Paper Source in Georgetown, mm-hmm. got a little box, put some red ribbon in it, put the cup <laughs> deck, 
put the little miniature Ciroc bottle I got from my corner liquor store. They was only a dollar. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Package it up, little cute little sign on the, you know, wrote their name on it, put it on Instagram. Boom! Oh, we need that too. Mm-hmm. How, how can we get the little gift box? You know, and from there, it just honestly it blew up. And to this day, I'm sold out of cuff cards, but I'm working on getting them in Target right now, mm. and actually going through the whole the going through the whole process of actually getting a card, a playing card game created in the United States is difficult. Mm. You know, it's not just like a T-shirt line where you can just walk to, you know, somewhere and get some T-shirts printed. Right, up. you just can't walk somewhere and get cards printed up and boxes. And they have a quality to it, you know, mm-hmm. that, that, that works. So it's something I just got to go overseas with. Um, but everything's working out. You know, we're we still working on sharing um, pilot for the TV show. Um, we have the podcast right now that is doing good. We're, we finished creating the app mm-hmm. and designing. Um, got the cards. So Cuff is really Cuff is more than the cards. Cuff is an all-around brand. Yes. If you if you if you can have ESPN that's directed solely towards sports, why can't you have a channel called Cuff that's solely directed towards relationship, love and dating and sex? Mm-hmm. You know, so that's my whole thing was about creating an opportunity, owning it. I love it. Like yeah. your story is so like impressive because even throughout the surgery, having the tumor, experiencing vertigo, you still had the hustle and the push and the drive. You didn't let anything prevent you from your dreams and accomplishing your goals. Uh, Whether it was like, my favorite part is like you going through the breakups. Like you had two, (laughs) you had two major breakups that kind of like launched you. Yeah. Yo, I never thought of really thought about like that. You're right. Into your purpose and like really maximizing your skill sets and like bringing everything together. Cause I want, I want the exes to look back and be like, Dang, I missed out. <laughs> yeah, you know what I'm saying. Like I ain't listen. I ain't just. I'm not just gonna sit around here yeah. and be moping, and crying, and right. all that. I want you to look back. Like he did it. He did. He yeah. did what he said he was gonna do. You know what I'm saying? And finding some type of you know some type of hustle. And the cool thing about this is that through your connections with people. Mm-hmm and the industry and the relationships that you built and maintained that also helped to kind of like take you to the next step. Yeah. And that's really, that's really important for the listeners to know is that yes, you were a one man show, but you're a one man show that managed solid relationships. Yes. Yes. Very true. Right. So, because a lot of people, they have this entrepreneurship mindset where I just do it by myself. I don't need anybody. And it's like, you can do it by yourself. You can be a one-man show, but you need relationships. Mm -hmm. That's the most important thing. Yeah, you need the social media because it's like you post it on Instagram. You post it on Facebook. And that's what helped it take off outside of the relationships. Yes, very true. So, my question for you is... Throughout your whole experience, from watching your dad to listening to your mom, to your experience at UNC Charlotte, uh, Johnson & Wells, to everything that you went through with the surgery and coming up with Cuff and just walking away from businesses Mm -hmm. that didn't serve you, Mm -hmm. what is your one piece of advice, just your one piece of advice that you would put on a post-it? Don't quit. (laughs) Don't quit and do it. Whatever you had, whatever you want to do, 
Just do it. Simple as that. I mean, one of my favorite brands is Nike. What's their, what's their slogan? Just do it. Yeah. It's simple. I think, like I said earlier, a lot of people wait for something to be perfected, which is the demise of being an entrepreneur. It will never get done if you're waiting for something to be perfect. Mm, say that again you for know? me. Like, it will never get done if you're waiting for it to be perfect. You need to start somehow, put it out there, see what people think. You know, everything goes through trial and error. I'm not a, I'm not afraid to fail. There's been times where I didn't film music videos, and I didn't, all of a sudden, my memory cards are missing. Mm. You know? And I got to go and talk to that artist and say, somebody stole my equipment as we're shooting. Mm-hmm. You know? And... Got to talk to them, but because the relationships are so strong, I say, yo, let's go and shoot this again. Mm-hmm. Let's go and do it right. Maybe this is God telling us, ah, this probably wasn't right. Let's go yeah. and do something. I think people are afraid of failure, which is why they never start. Because um, we live in a, a day and age where everybody's worried about what everybody else thinks. Yes, I don't care what nobody thinks. And this comes from me being a latchkey kid that grew up really by himself. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Unless I went out. But I was trying to stay out of trouble. So a lot of the times I was in the house. Mm-hmm. I was watching movies. I was on the brand new computer that my uncle gave me. I was drawing. I literally was by myself. And I didn't care what nobody else thought. And that's because you learned yourself. Exactly. You loved yourself. Exactly. I'm yeah. confident in myself. Exactly. You know? But I, I know I'm a fail. Mm-hmm. I know I'm a fail, but that's okay. You know what I'm saying? When I die, my my grave, my uh, tombstone doesn't say failure. Right. You know what I'm saying? As long as I know I tried mm-hmm. at whatever I needed to do, I'm good. Yeah. You know? So, yeah. All right. Cool. Love it. So this is the speed round, right? Okay. I got to get situated. Okay. All right. So if you, you need a refill for this? Yeah, let's get a little bit more. All right, all right. Just a little bit, you know. Yep, there you go. go. All right. A little bit for me. Uh Uh-huh. All right. So this is a speed round. Okay. So I'm just going to ask you some questions. Okay. Whatever comes to mind, just say it. Whatever whatever comes to mind. Okay. All right. All right. What gets you out of bed? My daughters. What's your favorite band or group or artist? Dipset. Diplomatics. All right. What's your favorite drink? Uh, bullet, bourbon. Yes, whiskey. Yes. I'm a whiskey woman. <laughs> I love whiskey. All right, role models. Jim Jones. Really? Yes. Jim Jones? Yeah. Huh. All right. Surprisingly, a lot of people are like, Jim Jones? Nah, I mean, you yeah. know, teachers all. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll dive into that after the show. Okay. <laughs> Luxury item. Oh. I don't own nothing. something that I want. I'm sorry, I know it's this whatever. Quick. Whatever comes to your mind when I say luxury item. I want a I want a big house. Mm. I want, you know, I want a brand new house or a condo, middle of the city, downtown. I'm a city guy. Yeah. You know, so that's what I want. Yeah. Favorite food? Barbecue ribs. And I shouldn't be eating pork. I like the beef ribs. Have you had beef ribs? I had them. But it's something about that. The port, that swine. I, yo, and I know I shouldn't be eating it, you know, but them ribs, yo. Uh. A favorite country to visit? Bermuda. Mm. Matter of fact, let me take that back. Haiti. Ah, yeah, Haiti. Yeah, sh- sh- shout out to Karen Seville. She took me to Haiti twice. Mm. Yeah, and that was an experience. Yes. Yeah. Shout out to Haiti and Karen. Best way to give back? 
help the youth, help the, the, the young black men in my neighborhood that don't have any inspiration. Mm. Retirement place. L.A., in the hills. In the hills? Yeah, I want to live in Los Angeles, in the hills, high up. I want to look out my my deck and just see all of L.A. lights. That's what I want. Beautiful. Cartoon. The Simpsons. Yes. Drama. Uh, this new show that I like called All American on Netflix. Watch it. I had to check that out because I saw it. It's on, amazing. You know how you scroll through. It's amazing. Yeah. Yes. Comedy. Insecure. Insecure. I love Insecure. It's a it's a comedy, right? Yeah. Nah. I mean, it'll pass. Yeah. Yeah. Comedy. Yeah. We cool. We'll accept it. Whatever. Yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> what is happiness? Looking at my daughter smile every day. That that's summer and autumn. That's my life right there. Is there anything you would like the listeners to know? <sighs> life is beautiful. Enjoy life. Regardless of whatever you want to do, just do it. Just try. Don't, you know, don't live with regret and look back wishing you could have did something. Because you can do it right now. And everything doesn't require money. You know, a lot of things can sometimes just require a relationship, Mm -hmm. you know, that you have or start a brand new relationship and just and just and just do it. You know, I love it. I appreciate you for being on the show. Uh, Thank you so much. I had tons of fun. Um, Let the people know how they could connect with you, follow you, all of that. Um, My website is um, BarnesDigital.co. Not dot com dot co. My um, Instagram is at Emil Barnes, A M I L B as in boy, A as in apple, R N E S. And my email, Emil at Barnes Digital dot co. And you can see, you know, most of my work and what I've done. And oh, also, let's cuff dot com, L E T S C U F F dot com. All right, perfect. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you to our sponsor for Season 2, Punto Space. The contemporary raw space combines capacity with intimacy. Four distinct spaces on three levels encompass more than 3,500 square feet. Custom configurations, a state-of-the-art audio-visual system, and full-service support provide endless possibilities for realizing your creative vision. Thank you for joining the conversation. To learn more about Currency Shift, go to currencyshiftnow.com. If you feel as though you fit the criteria as the first, the only, or the disruptive, send us an email, info at currencyshiftnow.com. Until next time, keep pushing, stay motivated, and stay encouraged.